Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, we are continuing our devotional reading through the book of Matthew, and I am in Matthew chapter 24. And I want to let you know, if you're just joining us, we have been going through the book of Matthew in an introduction to the gospel series. And I'm just explaining some of the history, the background, the culture, the relevance, some of the things that we miss as modern readers. Today's a long passage, so we're going to get right into it. Starting in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 24, Jesus left the temple area and was going on his way when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. But he responded and said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will mislead many people. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then they will hand you over to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time, many will fall away and they will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and mislead many people. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will become cold. But the one who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get things out of his house, and whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But what are those women who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days? Moreover, pray that when you flee, it will not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation, such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will again. And if those days had not been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, behold, here's the Christ, or he is over there, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will provide great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance, so if they say to you, Behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. Or behold, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe them. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. 
and he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet blast, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. As soon as its branches become tender and it sprouts its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of Son of Man be. At that time, there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, be on alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must be ready as well, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not think he will. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave with whom his master is put in charge of his household slaves to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that if he will put him in charge of all this possession, but if that evil slave says in his heart, my master's not coming for a long time, and he begins to beat his fellow slaves, and he eats and drinks with those habitually drunk, then the master of that slave will come on a day that he does not expect and at an hour that he does not know, and he will cut him in two and assign him a place with the hypocrites. For that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, this is a passage. This is a chapter of scripture that I think has been getting a lot of attention lately because within the body of Christ, there's been some tension with all the things that have been happening in the world. But let's think about this in context of what we've been reading, what we've been studying. Yesterday, what we did is we looked at a series of judgments towards the Pharisees and the scribes, and he was judging them for having this outward appearance of holiness, but really being rotten on the inside. Today, what we see is this judgment beginning to extend to the temple. And we know that God's hand of judgment was on the temple because it eventually was destroyed in AD 70. And with regard to the temple, the Greeks' attitude towards the temple was basically the temple of Artemis, which is not the Jerusalem temple, but they thought the temple of Artemis was one of the seven wonders of the world. But Jerusalem's temple was actually way bigger and more magnificent than even what they would have considered one of the seven wonders of the world at that time. And so this temple in Jerusalem was one of the most amazing structures at the time of the ancient world. And it seemed invincible because it was the central symbol of Judaism. And The Greeks weren't necessarily impressed by the temple, but the Jews, especially the Jews in Jerusalem, they saw the temple as their symbol of unity. And we know that there was lots of differences with all the different various groups of Jews, but they would have been shocked to think that God would allow the temple to ever be destroyed. But we see that in AD 70, just like Jesus says, that temple was almost completely destroyed. And so then Jesus goes on and he addresses two questions. The first is the question of when is the destruction of the temple going to happen? And the second is when is the end times going to happen? And so for the disciples, because of their view of the temple, they likely thought those two things wouldn't be happening at the same time. But Jesus makes it clear that that's not the case. The end times was something that the Jews spent a lot of time thinking about. They would write about it. They would talk about it. They would debate about it. 
And some of those writings and discussions, they talked about things like the fall of Rome or the final war, but that's not necessarily what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus starts off by warning about false teachers, and he calls them false messiahs, or other people, the rabbis would have even referred to them as false prophets rising up. That actually was kind of common where somebody would rise up and even amass a large crowd of followers. And a lot of these guys were politicians, but they were taking advantage of the Jews because they knew a lot of the Jews did not yet believe in Jesus. They did not believe or acknowledge that he was the Messiah. They were still looking for Messiah. So they took advantage of that situation and they rose up as false teachers. And that's not to say that that doesn't still happen today. I mean, it might not necessarily be specifically for the Jewish people, but I think even within the body of Christ, there is a tendency for people to put a false sense of messiahship or false prophecy on some of these larger, more famous pastors, preachers, teachers, those kinds of things. But the expectation at this time was that when they would start to see these things happening, it would happen immediately before the end times. And what Jesus describes to them is that this is just the beginning. This is the beginning. He calls them birth pains. And, you know, there are many people within the body of Christ right now that have been saying, I've been hearing it and seeing it in our Facebook group and emails and all those sorts of things. They've been saying they feel like we're in the end times, especially with what's going on in Israel right now. But I would challenge you on that because of Matthew chapter 24. Jesus says things like wars and rumors of wars nation rising against nation, famines, earthquakes, all of that, he says, they're merely beginning of the birth pains. And, you know, I have three kids and you could ask any mother that while birth pains are uncomfortable, they're just the beginning. They're just the beginning of what's to come, the pain that's coming. So those birth pains, according to Jesus, are life as normal in the age that we live in, in this fallen world. And think about the timing of when this was said. This was 2,000 years ago that Jesus said this. The things that he's talking about, wars and rumors of wars and nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, earthquakes, they've been going on since the beginning of time. They've been going on because of the world that we live in. And Jesus is saying even then that that's just the beginning. They're just birth pains. I want to point something out to you because I think this is incredibly relevant in the season that we're in right now. I have been hearing about people, and this isn't new, this is just the most recent instance of this, people are longing for Jesus to come back soon. I get it. And you know, I have even heard people saying, you know what, I just daily watch this guy and I'm watching for this guy's departure for Jesus to come back. And they even have a tendency, especially right now, to withdraw from the world because it's too difficult to be in. It's too challenging. There's so much fear and anxiety. But I want to challenge you with what Jesus has to say. In verse 12, it says, And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will become cold. But the one who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. You know, if you've been a fan of the podcast for a while, you've heard me say this before, but I think it bears repeating. Currently, today, in the world today, there are still over 3 billion unreached people with the gospel. There are completely unreached people groups, over 3 billion people. That's 3 billion people that can be born 
They can live their entire lives and they will die and they will never hear this gospel message. And, you know, it's aggravating to me as somebody that is has a heart for missions and has done mission work for a long time as a heart of an evangelist that God put in me. It's so aggravating to me when I hear Christians that are complaining about Jesus not coming back, but yet they have done nothing to advance the gospel. And, and you know, I'm not saying this to throw guilt down on anybody, but I want you to recognize the seriousness by which Jesus is saying this. You know, in the American church today, and this is just the American church, and this statistic is probably two years old, so bear with me. It's probably even worse than this at this point. But in the American church, there's already a ton of people that do not tithe, so much so that all of the world's poverty could be extinguished if just the American church tithe. But I digress. The amount of money that is given towards missions every year out of that tithe that is given is incredibly small. But the amount of money that even within that category of missions that is dedicated to unreached people groups is the equivalent of what Americans spend on Halloween costumes for their pets in one year. Think about that for a minute. In in the country of America, and I can't speak for other countries, but in the country of America, people spend more money on Halloween costumes for their pets than they do unreaching unreached people groups. And yet we are living with this tension and this angst. And it is so common for people to say, oh, I just want Jesus to come back soon. I just want Jesus to come back. What are you doing to help that happen? Because if you're longing for Jesus to come back soon, start doing something about it. I love to say, give or go. Either give to the unreached people groups, give to the the missions organizations that are out there. And if you need help finding one, there's one in my link. There's a link in my bio for one. But if you're not able to go, then give. No, there's opportunity to go. Go and be one of the people that is taking that gospel message to those unreached people groups and to people all over the, all over the world. But if you can't go, you can give. And if you're saying, you know what, I don't have money to give. Do you have enough money to buy a Halloween costume for a pet? I bet you do. And if you do, even that would be helpful. So I, you know, and rant, that's your free sermon for today. But I would encourage you to take seriously the the words of Jesus when he says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. And I think the challenge there is what does he say right above that? And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will become cold. There's a tendency for people to just say, you know what? The world is just too crazy. I'm, I'm back. I'm bound out. I'm backing up. And I get it. I've been there too. But he says in verse 13, the one who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. The love that endures into the end is the one that will be saved. Don't allow your love to become cold just because the world is scary. Because the reality is, is that's not going to change anytime soon. And then I want to jump down to verse 36 real quick. You know, it talks about this idea of readiness. And while there are things that God has made known to us as his people, there are always some things that he keeps a mystery. And the reality is, is in our finite minds, we can never begin to understand an infinite God. But in this time, the Jewish teachers essentially had two positions that they taught on. One was that they could predict when the Messiah would come. And the other was that they could not predict his coming, but that he would only come after Israel had repented and followed God. I would say that our situation is pretty similar with the second coming. There are some people who would say, yes, we know when he's coming. We can predict when he's coming. 
And there are other people that will say, nope, we don't know, but we do know that we have a job to do while we're waiting. And that's to tell other people about it. I think either way, no matter what camp you're in, and you know what, we're not going to solve this today because there are deep theological positions on both sides of this, but there is a common principle here that we need to be ready. Verse 42 says, therefore, be on the alert for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must be ready as well. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. You know, this posture of readiness is something that I've talked about on the podcast as well. And and I talk about this in terms of my kids playing volleyball. My kids, both of my older girls have been on the volleyball team for quite a long time. I've been sitting on those volleyball benches for probably 10 years now. But what I have learned about volleyball, and this is probably like this for most sports, is that there's a big difference between the players that are just standing on the court versus the players that are crouched down, eyes on the ball, ready to receive the ball. They have a posture of readiness about them. I think the same thing is true when it comes to things like opportunities to share the gospel or being prepared for the day that the Lord is going to return, because you don't want to be caught like that man that was not prepared for the thief coming into the house. We don't know when it's going to happen. What we do know is that God has given us a job to do. And what we should be doing while we're waiting is telling other people about him. You know, as a mother, one of the things that I know is that sometimes birth is long and hard. And sometimes it's violent and quick. And so even if we are in the beginning of birth pains, in this birth pain stage, We don't know how long that's going to last. So whether you think it's the end of times right now, or you think that we still have a while yet, I would encourage you to be living in a posture of readiness. Given that insight, I'm going to go back and reread, starting at verse one. It says, Jesus left the temple area and was going on his way when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. But he responded and said to them, do you not see all these things? Truly, I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will mislead many people and you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then they will hand you over to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time, many will fall away, and they will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and mislead many people. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will become cold. But the one who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get things out of his house, and whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But what are those women who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days? Moreover, pray that when you flee, it will not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation, such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor never will again. And if those days had not been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. 
then if anyone says to you, behold, here's the Christ, or he is over here, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will provide great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. So if they say to you, behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. Or behold, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe them. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet blast and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. As soon as its branch has become tender and sprouts its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. At that time, there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, be on alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have been on alert and would have not allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must be ready as well, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not think he will. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household slaves to give him their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time, and he begins to beat his fellow slaves, and he eats and drinks with those habitually drunk, then the master of that slave will come on a day that he does not expect, and an hour that he does not know, and he will cut him in two and assign him a place of the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. God, oh, we, we feel the heaviness of these words and the tension that has been felt. For 2,000 years, God, just this tension of longing for you to return, not knowing when you're coming, but also help us to recognize the job we have to do in the meantime. Lord, help us to live in a posture of readiness. Help us to live in a way that is ready at a moment's notice, that is obedient to the call to share the gospel, that is obedient to the words that you've given us to share this gospel message with all nations upon all flesh. God, I pray that even right now you would burden the hearts of my friends to be part of the solution to give or to go. Lord, I pray for my friends right now that you would even right now start to plant seeds of that in their lives and show them the ways you want them to be obedient to that call. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, friends, thanks for listening. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. 
You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.